Welcome to Tea Talk. All of life flows from the spiritual center of the culture. If this center is healthy, the culture becomes healthy. Tea Talk is a time of intrigue, investigation, insight, and inspiration, enabling you on your life's journey. Invest in your future by gleaning from today's session. Let's talk about creating fresh momentum. Okay. Before you can have momentum, you have to have a move. All right. Before you have momentum, there has to be a move. So my prayer has been, God, we need a move of the spirit. We need a move of the spirit. Okay. Because movement starts the process of momentum. Okay. So let's go to Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. And uh, notice in uh, those three books of Nehemiah, uh, first it goes with uh, Ezra, and then uh, it goes to the book of Nehemiah, and then it goes to Esther. And I'll just break that down to you how I see those three books. Ezra is the book of rebuilding the spirit. And we're going to rebuild paradise. We've got to do these things in disorder. You've got to rebuild the spirit. All right. Now, let me say this to you as a church body. Okay. You've gone through some very devastating things in this church, especially at a leadership level. Okay. It's happened in the congregation, but at the leadership level. You know, you lost Jerry, you lost Gil, you know, there's others that were close. You lost Ellen. You know, things that were key things are here. All those things, and you've done a great job of pressing through that, but also they diminish some activity in the spirit. So I want to be very open and transparent with you. doesn't say the Holy Ghost has left you. I don't say that at all. Okay. But you, you've tried and you've done a great job pressing through that and moving beyond that and things. But it's to a point where it has affected your ability to create this movement that would create momentum. Now, let me tell you why I say this. Okay, now I'm going to give you my personal testimony. Uh, years ago, there was a guy named, uh, let's see, was his name Lucas Luther? He came out of Amarillo, came here, and uh, Jerry had him here for a worship type of prophetic gathering. I don't know if you remember this or not, Tina or not, but Jerry had him here, and the place here was full. And there was such a, you may remember this, uh, John, uh, but it was a Saturday morning gathering. I remember, I think they had night service, but I was here on the Saturday morning thing. And there was something that was discharged in the Holy Ghost that day through that event that was phenomenal, okay? Uh, uh, there was a move of the Spirit. I think uh, I think the guy's name was Lucas or Luther or Luton or something like that. Anyway, uh, he was... he. Operated a lot. I saw him again in Houston with Bill Johnson. That's how I remember. And I think he's out of uh, the Panhandle, Amarillo, somewhere there. Yeah. Anyway, he released something here that all of a sudden created something in the atmosphere that started this movement. I mean, there was such a touch corporately, not just individually, even though there was individual ministry that went forward. I don't know if you, uh, but, but there was such a release that took place. Well, out of that time, and I can't remember, this like in the fall or sometime, at, at, right after that, Jerry called me and he said, Terry, I want you to come and do our watch night service uh, for New Year's Eve. I said, okay. 
So I came over, and that night, as and, and this intensity, this thing was starting to move supernaturally. And, and that night, as I was standing, waiting to speak, I was standing over on the side over here, and I literally, I saw Jesus. And I, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But I literally was caught up in the spirit. I saw Jesus open himself up, and he literally pulled me into himself. I understand what it means to be in Christ. Identity is no longer Terry living for Jesus. It literally is Jesus. My prayer, continued prayer is that they would see Jesus because I'm living in him. Okay, it's not, I'm trying to live in him. I'm not dying to be in him. And all that type of stuff. I knew that night it was such a download from God. That was things that began to create momentum. Then testimonies and and visions and trances and all this kind of stuff. They were, the kingdom things were manifesting themselves. And then the next thing I know, I hear Jerry say, I hear Jerry say, you know, and then I didn't know that he'd been battling that for a long time, you know, but then I, but that was the first time I heard about it. And I thought, wow, this is something here that's come to take out what's happened. And then, then when Gil was, was tragically, I mean, to me, it was, it was just a takeout by the enemy. It was a takeout, you know, that happened here. Then Elam was taken out. See, and so it's affected the spiritual dimension here. And so what my prayer is and my counsel to the leadership here is we've got to build the spirit of equippers. And whatever that may mean, you're going to have to wrestle that out in the presence of God. But you have to build that spirit man back up to give God the capacity to start another move in your midst. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Okay. All right. And I and I said, but what I heard last night, some of that's already happening in your midst. And that's a good thing. Because then after that comes Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was the rebuilder of the wall. Okay. Rebuilder of the wall, which deals with the soulish realm. Now listen to me. The soulish realm is three things. We all know this. It's the, it's the mind, the will, and the emotions. Okay? Now, we have had teaching in the last... In fact, I'm going to minister on this in the morning, so I won't get into a lot of it. But the last several years, we've had a lot of teaching on renewing the mind. Renewing the mind. Renewing the mind. Renewing the, you just need to renew your mind. Renew your mind. Govern your thoughts. On and on and on. So we've had a lot of teaching on that, and we still have, have uh, and, and have embraced that and got a hold of that. The other part of that is, is that we've heard a lot of teaching and ministry on love God, love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, etc. Love is because why? Because love is probably the greatest emotion that there is in the universe, period. God is love. There's no way that he can be anything else, but he's also light. We understand that. So that deals with the emotional part. But here's the part where we are in the diagram of God in trying to create a movement, and that is this. We have not surrendered our will to the way of God. Yeah. All right? The will is the captain of those three. Nothing happens unless the will gives it permission. All hell can be breaking loose around us. Everything can be stripped away. Jonas is a classic example. 
He had everything taken away from him. He even got on a boat and wound up in the, in the belly of the, you know, the big fish and on and on it goes. Why? Because the will, that's how strong the will is. He would not surrender his will to the will of God. See? And this is the very thing that has taken place. It started about three years ago, actually maybe five years ago. But this thing, all of a sudden, now you remember, they went from AIDS, and then we went to SARS, and then we went to this, and I'm just giving you the, the disease things. We went to this, Ebola, and then all this type of stuff, and now we're up to COVID, and the thing that's different about COVID is it touched the world. These other powers touch regions or touch particular people groups, but this COVID thing touched the entire world, and so that tells me the enemy's getting desperate because that is a principality. Amen. And so what we need to understand is that what God is doing in this hour and what he's showing us in this hour is not my will, but thy will be done. I'll talk more about that in the morning. Because God's got a will for us individually. He's got a will for our family. He's got a will for our business. He's got a will for the church. He's got a will for the community. He's got a will but the problem has been, and I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about Joe Blow out here. We have not surrendered to the will of God. And there's a number of reasons why. We'll get into that later on. All right? But notice what happens now. And then we come to Esther. And Esther simply represents the body. The word to us in this era is this. For such a time as this, the body has got to get it together. We have mastered our attempts to escape when God says to the body, it's time to engage. Please hear that. Yeah. See, faith does not look to escape. Faith looks to engage. And the body of Christ has got to rise up in this hour to engage the activity and it could be this be the very generation that if we will engage, we might be the ones that would hear the trumpet sound. We don't know. Only the Father knows for sure. All right, going on here. Okay, so we come to this now. And I want to bring you back here because I want to talk to you about creating this fresh momentum, starting this move that's here. Let's define it. First of all, you've got to understand, go into Nehemiah chapter 2 and look at verse 12 with me, please. He says, and I arose, and boy, I wish I had time to go through how God prepared Nehemiah uh, for this whole encounter. Remember, he was not a construction person. He was a cupbearer. Only thing he could construct was how to put wine in a cup. You know, serve the, the king's meat. That's about all he had. And here God says, now I want you to go and I want you to rebuild the walls. Rebuild the walls? What does that look like? You know, do I get stucco or do I, what do I get here? You know, but here, but he, he takes the assignment, assignment. Now look at verse 12. And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there are any beasts with me, save the beasts that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dumb port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then went on to the gate of the fountain, and to the king's pool, 
for there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then I went up. Now he went out. Now he went on. And then he went up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. All right. Now look at verse. Uh, let's go on and read some more. And the ruler knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sambalat the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, Geshem, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us, and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we are his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Wow. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Several things you need to understand about Nehemiah. First of all, write it down. Okay? First, let's see if I got this up here. Okay, well, let me give you a definition, all right? First of all, of creating this. Okay, first of all, it means a momentum. It means to impel, to incite, creating of movement. That's what I want you to get. Force or motion. Momentum is the power of the Holy Spirit in action, causing the church to be righteously stimulated to arise and fulfill its mission. That within the individual rather than without, which incites into motion any idea, need, emotion, or organic state that prompts us to action. Motivation, write this down. Motivation, moving together in mutual advantage. Motivation. Moving together in mutual advantage. Okay? Manipulation is moving together for my advantage. All right? Moving motivation, moving together in mutual advantage. Manipulation is moving together for my advantage. That's the difference. All right. Now let's look at in chapter two, verse twelve through sixteen. There's some principles here I want to give you that's important if we're going to start a movement. First of all, number one, Nehemiah had no welcoming committee. No welcoming committee. There were no cheers. There were no, yeah, God's answered prayer. Hallelujah, glory to God. And none of that. He had none of that. See? See why? Because if you look for and wait for cheers and and uh, all that, if you, if you have to have that, guess what? Chances are you won't start. And if you have to have that, guess what? If, even if you start, you'll quit along the way. He'll give up. God understood this. And so he says to Nehemiah, Nehemiah, go down and do this. 
No welcoming committee. The next thing is, notice Nehemiah examined. Why did he examine the, the walls and the, and the gates? Why was this important? Because first of all, the people, now remember, all the walls are torn down, okay? They're all knocked down and they're laying on the ground and they'd even become a path for the people. Why? Because they had become familiar with the rubble. They had become familiar with the rubble. So that whenever you start talking about building the wall, man, discouragement rise up. You know, they because discouragement will not allow you to see the mission at hand. And so they couldn't be objective about what needed to happen here, you see. And so Nehemiah had to go out. He couldn't wait and get a report from those who are, are, are rubble watchers. You know, those that have studied how to have effective rubble, those that know how to grow rubble effectively. He, he, didn't, he didn't wait for that in, in, in a hotel room and waiting for them to give a report. He had to go out and examine it himself. Why? Because he needed to get, now this is very important, an accurate evaluation of the situation. See, sometimes we think faith doesn't want to know the facts. But I'm telling you, faith, facts will never be greater than faith, but faith does not ignore the facts. And we have to get an accurate evaluation of the situation, just like Nehemiah. If we're going to create a movement, then we've got to know the, the trip-ups, we've got to know the good, the bad, the ugly, we've got to know the indifferences, we've got to know all those type of things. So Nehemiah, he had no welcoming committee. Number, and number two, he went out and examined it for himself. And the other thing that Nehemiah understood is that they had developed a negative attitude towards the situation. Why? Because they were in a survival mode. Survival mode. The situation is never going to change. He comes along and, and, and they say to him, others have tried. How are you different? Others have tried to make an impact. Others have tried to rebuild the wall. Others have tried to come in and to do these type of things. Nehemiah, why are you so different? Pretty interesting. So Nehemiah, you know, goes out. He does these type of things. See, Now, here's Nehemiah's challenge, all right? Nehemiah's key, uh, we'll get to this in just a minute. But Nehemiah's challenge, after months of preparation... Nehemiah is now ready to reveal his purpose. He must do this in a way that would not slight or condemn the people for the wall's condition. If so, they may resent him and his plan and reject the whole project. Pretty wise, in my opinion. Yes, that's the way it was. And yes, that's the way it happened. And yes, that took place. But we're not living there. We're living here. We need God's plan, not from yesterday. We need God's plan for today. We need to know where God is going in this hour. And I said to the leaders last night, it's very important that you understand this. God does not give direction out of devotional life. God gives direction out of directional life. And God is changing us from a devotional leader uh, uh, mentality, just a devotional mentality of what God's saying to us, to a directive that what he's saying to us collectively that we can move forward what God wants done. 
And so we, we, when we look at this, we begin to see that he came in and he wasn't condemning them. He wasn't putting them down for the condition of the wall. He was not focused there. He was focused on what they needed to do. Now look, so notice what it says. In his speech, notice what he tells them. Number one, he tells them what needs to be done. This is what needs to be done. See, a lot of times we dance all around it because we don't want to get into it. We don't want to talk about it. So we dance all around it, don't we? You know, but we need to just come and say, this is what needs to be done. We need to rebuild the wall. Why did he say we need to rebuild the wall? Because it's become a reproach to the enemy. That's what he says. And second of all, not, not what needed to be done, but why it needed to be done. He gives the purpose. Now, write this down. Very important. Why it needed to be done. Whenever you answer the question, why, God's giving you the why is because God is in it. I'll say it again. If you have the why, that's God's part. Our part is what, when, where, how. That's our part. But God's only part is, this is why this needs to be done. When you have the why, God's with you. All right? Okay? Second of all, the next thing he told him is, this is how God has led me. This is how God directed me. This is what God did. God's spirit was upon me. And then last of all, the king had given him provision and authority to accomplish the task. Okay, so the key is what he did not tell them was how it was going to be done. He simply led them. People will follow your footsteps quicker than your advice. You know, don't tell them until you show them. When you show them, they'll ask you, how'd you do it? Now you get to talk. I like this story about Ben Franklin. I'll read it to you. Franklin wanted to install street lighting in Philadelphia, but he knew the city fathers would balk at the expense. So instead of trying to persuade them, he simply hung a beautiful lantern on a long branch in front of his own house. People picking their way carefully along the dark streets at night would come out of the dark into the well-lit area in front of Ben's house and think, what a great idea. Soon Franklin's neighbors began placing lights in brackets in front of their homes. Before long, the entire city awoke to the value of street lighting. Franklin achieved what he wanted through example, what he wanted through example without a word being spoken. Let us learn to hang our street lights, right? Thank you for joining today in your pursuit of perfection and peace of mind. For more experienced and valuable choices, visit our website, terrylthompson.org. Stay connected for more life-changing and reliable systems of thought and renewal. Welcome to Tea Talk. All of life flows from the spiritual center of the culture. If this center is healthy, the culture becomes healthy. Tea Talk is a time of intrigue, investigation, insight, and inspiration, enabling you on your life's journey. Invest in your future 
by gleaning from today's session. Let's talk about creating fresh momentum, okay? Before you can have momentum, you have to have a move, all right? Before you have momentum, there has to be a move. So my prayer has been, God, we need a move of the Spirit. We need a move of the Spirit, okay? Because movement starts the process of momentum, okay? So let's go to Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, and uh, notice in uh, those three books of Nehemiah, uh, first it goes with uh, Ezra, and then uh, it goes to the book of Nehemiah, and then it goes to Esther. And I'll just break that down to you how I see those three books. Ezra is the book of rebuilding the spirit. If we're gonna rebuild paradise, we gotta do these things in disorder. You've got to rebuild the spirit, all right? Now, let me say this to you as a church body, okay? You've gone through some very devastating things in this church, especially at a leadership level, okay? It's happened in the congregation, but at the leadership level. You know, you lost Jerry, you lost Gil, you know, there's others that were close. You lost Ellen. You know, things that were key things are here. All those things, and you've done a great job of pressing through that, but also they diminish some activity in the spirit. So I want to be very open and transparent with you. It doesn't say the Holy Ghost has left you. I don't say that at all, okay? But you, you've tried, and you've done a great job pressing through that and moving beyond that and things. But it's to a point where it has affected your ability to create this movement that would create momentum. Now, let me tell you why I say this, okay? Now, I'm gonna give you my personal testimony. Uh, years ago, there was a guy named, uh, let's see, was his name Lucas Luther? He came out of Amarillo, came here, and uh, Jerry had him here for a worship type of prophetic gathering. I don't know if you remember this or not, Tina or not, but Jerry had him here and the place here was full. And there was such a, you may remember this, uh, John, uh, but it was a Saturday morning gathering. I remember, I think they had night service, but I was here on the Saturday morning thing. And there was something that was discharged in the Holy Ghost that day through that event that was phenomenal, okay? Uh, uh, there was a move of the Spirit. I think uh, I think the guy's name was Lucas or Luther or Luton or something like that. Anyway, uh, he was he operated a lot. I saw him again in Houston with Bill Johnson. That's how I remember him. And I think he's out of uh, the Panhandle, Amarillo, somewhere near. Yeah. Anyway, he released something here that all of a sudden created something in the atmosphere that started this movement. I mean, there was such a touch corporately, not just individually, even though there was individual ministry that went forth. I don't know if you, uh, but, but there was such a release that took place. Well, out of that time, and I can't remember, it was like in the fall or sometime, at, at, right after that, Jerry called me and he said, Terry, I want you to come and do our watch night service uh, for New Year's Eve. I said, okay. So I came over and that night, as, and, and this intensity, this thing was starting to move supernaturally. And, and that night, as I was standing, waiting to speak, I was standing over on the side over here, and I literally, I saw Jesus. And I, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But I literally was caught up in the spirit. 
I saw Jesus open himself up and he literally pulled me into himself. I understand what it means to be in Christ. Identity is no longer Terry living for Jesus. It literally is Jesus. My prayer, continued prayer is that they would see Jesus because I'm living in him. Okay, it's not, I'm trying to live in him. I'm not dying to be in him. And all that type of stuff. I knew that night it was such a download from God. That was things that began to create momentum. Then testimonies and, and visions and trances and all this kind of stuff. They were, the kingdom things were manifesting themselves. And then the next thing I know, I hear Jerry sit. I hear Jerry sit. And then I didn't know that he'd been battling that for a long time, you know, but then I, but that was the first time I heard about it. And I thought, wow, this is something here that's come to take out what's happened. And then, then when Gil was, was tragically, I mean, to me, it was, it was just a takeout by the enemy. It was a takeout, you know, that happened here. And then Ellen was taken out. See, and so it's affected the spiritual dimension here. And so, what my prayer is and my counsel to the leadership here is we've got to build the spirit of equippers and whatever that may mean, you're going to have to wrestle that out in the presence of God. But you have to build that spirit man back up to give God the capacity to start another move in your midst. Does that make sense to you? Okay. All right. And I, and I said, by what I heard last night, some of that's already happening in your midst. And that's a good thing. Because then after that comes Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was the rebuilder of the wall. Okay? Rebuilder of the wall, which deals with the soulish realm. Now listen to me. The soulish realm is three things. We all know this. It's the, it's the mind, the will, and the emotions. Okay? Now, we have had teaching in the last... In fact, I'm going to minister on this in the morning, so I won't get into a lot of it. But the last several years, we've had a lot of teaching on renewing the mind, renewing the mind, renewing the mind, renewing it. You just need to renew your mind, renew your mind, govern your thoughts, on and on and on. So we've had a lot of teaching on that, and we still have, 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 have embraced that and got a hold of that. The other part of that is, is that we've heard a lot of teaching and ministry on love God, Love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, etc. Love is because why? Because love is probably the greatest emotion that there is in the universe, period. God is love. There's no way that it can be anything else, but he's also light. We understand that. So that deals with the emotional part. But here's the part where we are in the diagram of God in trying to create a movement, and that is this. We have not surrendered our will to the way of God. Yeah. All right. The will is the captain of those three. Nothing happens unless the will gives it permission. All hell can be breaking loose around us. Everything can be stripped away. Jonas is a classic example. He had everything taken away from him. He even got on a boat and wound up in the, in the belly of the, you know, the big fish and on and on, on it goes. Why? Because the will, that's how strong the will is. He would not surrender his will to the will of God. See? 
And this is the very thing that has taken place. It started about three years ago, actually maybe five years ago. But this thing, all of a sudden, now you remember, they went from AIDS and then we went to SARS and then we went to this. And I'm just giving you the, the, the disease things. We went to this, Ebola, and then all this type of stuff. And now we're up to COVID. And the thing that's different about COVID is it touched the world. These other powers touch regions or touch particular people groups. But this COVID thing touched the entire world. And so that tells me the enemy is getting desperate because that is a principality. Amen. And so what we need to understand is that what God is doing in this hour and what he's showing us in this hour is not my will, but thy will be done. I'll talk more about that in the morning. Because God's got a will for us individually. He's got a will for our family. He's got a will for our business. He's got a will for the church. He's got a will for the community. He's got a will. But the problem has been, and I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about Joe Blow out here. We have not surrendered to the will of God. And there's a number of reasons why, and we'll get into that later on. All right? But notice what happens now. And then we come to Esther. And Esther simply represents the body. And the word to us in this era is this. For such a time as this, the body has got to get it together. We have mastered our attempts to escape when God says to the body, it's time to engage. Please hear that. Yeah. See, faith does not look to escape. Faith looks to engage. And the body of Christ has got to rise up in this hour to engage the activity. And it could be this be the very generation that if we will engage, we might be the ones that would hear the trumpet sound. We don't know. Only the Father knows for sure. All right, going on here. Okay, so we come to this now, and I want to bring you back here because I want to talk to you about creating this fresh momentum, starting this move that's here. Let's define it. First of all, you've got to understand, go into Nehemiah chapter 2, and look at verse 12 with me, please. He says, and I arose, and boy, I wish I had time to go through how God prepared Nehemiah uh, for this whole encounter. Remember, he was not a construction person. He was a cupbearer. Only thing he could construct was how to put wine in a cup. You know, serve the, the king's meat. That's about all he had. And here God says, now I want you to go over and I want you to rebuild the walls. Rebuild the walls? What does that look like? You know, do I get stucco or do I go, why do I get here? You know, but here, but he, he takes the assignment, assignment. Now look at verse 12. And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dumb port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then went on to the gate of the fountain, and to the king's pool, for there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then I went up. Now he went out, now he went on, and then he went up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. All right, now 
Look at verse, uh, let's go on and read some more. And the ruler knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, Geshem, the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we are his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. Wow. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Several things you need to understand about Nehemiah. First of all, write it down. Okay. Let's just see if I got this up here. Okay. Well, let me give you a definition. All right. First of all, of creating this. Okay. First of all, it means a momentum. It means to impel, to incite, creating of movement. That's what I want you to get. Force or motion. Momentum is the power of the Holy Spirit in action. Causing the church to be righteously stimulated to arise and fulfill its mission. That within the individual rather than without, which incites him to motion, any idea, need, emotion, or organic state that prompts us to action. Motivation. Write this down. Motivation. Moving together in mutual advantage. Motivation. Moving together in mutual advantage. Okay? Manipulation is moving together for my advantage. All right? Moving, motivation, moving together in mutual advantage. Manipulation is moving together for my advantage. That's the difference. All right. Now, let's look at in chapter 2, verse 12 through 16. There's some principles here I want to give you that's important if we're going to start a movement. First of all, number one, Nehemiah had no welcoming committee. No welcoming committee. There were no cheers. There were no, yeah, God's answered prayer. Hallelujah, glory to God. And none of that. He had none of that. See? See, why? Because if you look for and wait for cheers and and uh, all that, if you, if you have to have that, guess what? Chances are you won't start. And if you have to have that, guess what? If, even if you start, you'll quit along the way. You'll give up. God understood this. And so he says to Nehemiah, Nehemiah, go down and do this. No welcoming committee. The next thing is, notice Nehemiah examined it. Why did he examine the, the walls and the, and the gates? Why was this important? Because first of all, the people, now remember, all the walls are torn down. Okay? They're all knocked down. 
and they're laying on the ground and they'd even become a path for the people. Why? Because they had become familiar with the rubble. They had become familiar with the rubble. So that whenever you start talking about building a wall, man, discouragement rise up. You know, they, because discouragement will not allow you to see the mission at hand. And so they couldn't be objective about what needed to happen here, you see. And so Nehemiah had to go out. He couldn't wait and get a report from those who are, are, are rebel watchers. <laughs> you know, those that have studied how to have effective rubble. Those that know how to grow rubble effectively. He, he, didn't, he didn't wait for that in, in, in a hotel room and waiting for them to give a report. He had to go out and examine it himself. Why? Because he needed to get, now this is very important, an accurate evaluation of the situation. See, sometimes we think faith doesn't want to know the facts. But I'm telling you, faith facts will never be greater than faith, but faith does not ignore the facts. And we have to get an accurate evaluation of the situation, just like Nehemiah. If we're going to create a movement, then we've got to know the, the trip-ups. We've got to know the good, the bad, the ugly. We've got to know the indifferences. We've got to know all those type of things. So Nehemiah, he had no welcoming committee. Number, and number two, he went out and examined it for himself. And the other thing that Nehemiah understood is that they had developed a negative attitude towards the situation. Why? Because they were in a survival mode. Survival mode. The situation is never going to change. He comes along and, and, and they say to him, others have tried. How are you different? Others have tried to make an impact. Others have tried to rebuild the wall. Others have tried to come in and to do these type of things. Nehemiah, why are you so different? Pretty interesting. So Nehemiah, you know, goes out. He does these type of things. See, now here's Nehemiah's challenge. All right, Nehemiah's key. Uh, we'll get to this in just a minute. But Nehemiah's challenge. After months of preparation, Nehemiah is now ready to reveal his purpose. He must do this in a way that would not slight or condemn the people for the wall's condition. If so, they may resent him and his plan and reject the whole project. Pretty wise, in my opinion. Yes, that's the way it was. And yes, that's the way it happened. And yes, that took place. But we're not living there. We're living here. We need God's plan, not from yesterday. We need God's plan for today. We need to know where God is going in this hour. And I said to the leaders last night, it's very important that you understand this. God does not give direction out of devotional life. God gives direction out of directional life. And God is changing us from a devotional leader uh, uh, mentality, just a devotional mentality, what God's saying to us, to a directive that what he's saying to us collectively. That we can move forward what God wants done. And so we, we, when we look at this, we begin to see that he came in and he wasn't condemning them. He wasn't putting them down for the condition of the wall. He was not focused there. He was focused on what they needed to do. Now look, so notice what it says. In his speech, notice what he tells them. 
Number one, he tells them what needs to be done. This is what needs to be done. See, a lot of times we dance all around it because we don't want to get into it. We don't want to talk about it. So we dance all around it, don't we? You know, but we need to just come and say, this is what needs to be done. We need to rebuild the wall. Why did he say we need to rebuild the wall? Because it's become a reproach to the enemy. That's what he says. And second of all, not, not what needed to be done, but why it needed to be done. He gives the purpose. Now, write this down. Very important. Why it needed to be done. Whenever you answer the question, why, God's giving you the why is because God is in it. Say it again. If you have the why, that's God's part. Our part is what, when, where, how. That's our part. But God's only part is, this is why this needs to be done. When you have the why, God's with you. All right? Okay? Second of all, and the next thing he told him is, this is how God has led me. This is how God directed me. This is what God did. God's spirit was upon me. And then last of all, the king had given him provision and authority to accomplish the task. Okay? So the key is, what he did not tell them was how it was going to be done. He simply led them. People will follow your footsteps quicker than your advice. You know, don't tell them until you show them. When you show them, they'll ask you, how'd you do it? Now you get to talk. I like this story about Ben Franklin. I'll read it to you. Franklin wanted to install street lighting in Philadelphia, but he knew the city fathers would balk at the expense. So instead of trying to persuade them, he simply hung a beautiful lantern on a long branch in front of his own house. People picking their way carefully along the dark streets at night would come out of the dark into the well-lit area in front of Ben's house and think, what a great idea. Soon Franklin's neighbors began placing lights in brackets in front of their homes. Before long, the entire city awoke to the value of street lighting. Franklin achieved what he wanted through example, what he wanted through example without a word being spoken. Let us learn to hang our street lights, right? Thank you for joining today in your pursuit of perfection and peace of mind. For more experienced and valuable choices, visit our website, terrylthompson.org. Stay connected for more life-changing and reliable systems of thought and renewal.